A forest is much more than a collection of trees. There is a life, an energy, that exists between these trees. They communicate with each other. They depend on each other. In as early as the 16th century, there are written records of a variation of the proverb, you cannot see the forest for the trees. Its meaning lies in the sense of someone not being able to see the big picture or a larger pattern in a specific problem or situation, overwhelmed and too focused on the details. This story is all about seeing the forest in between the trees. The approach to leadership education is currently broken. We must inverse the approach of how we educate our leaders in teams, schools, and organizations. We have to see the forest in between the trees. My name is André Cyr. Welcome to the first chapter of our story, The Forest in Between the Trees. This is a podcast about leadership, culture, and trust. Before we start, a bit of a disclaimer. My background is in education. I teach middle school in Toronto. I am not an expert or an academic in the field of organizational theory. I've never held a management position. I do not have any official qualifications. My concepts are constructed around a belief that there can be something better, something more. I'm writing all of this for those people who share that sense of hope, that sense of possibility. The traditional approach to leadership education is centered around individuals, creating environments of competition and cynicism. Instead, we need to bring teams and organizations to follow a cultural approach towards the education of their leaders, creating environments of growth and of trust. We often see or portray traditional leaders as heroic or visionary or charismatic or geniuses, and there's nothing wrong with those characteristics, but they are not at all required for a leader to lead. They are not required for leadership. In this way, we can dismantle the notion that leadership is a you-either-have-it-or-you-don't sort of thing. It is not innate. It is not reserved for a select few. It can be learned and practiced. Leadership exists not within ourselves, but rather between ourselves. It is in our human nature to seek out and to live in tribes, to form cultures that comprise of other humans that come together around a shared cause or belief. Historically, in a very animalistic sense, 
humans have formed tribes to survive. The members of a tribe would look out for each other, share food and shelter, and provide protection for the others when dangerous situations would arise. The dangers we face in our organizations today are much different than those faced by our ancestors. But the role of our tribe and of our cultures are the same, to provide safety. The approach to leadership education and developing leaders has to have nothing to do with identifying specific individuals and bringing them to be more able to provide safety for others. It has to do with creating the conditions for any member of our tribe to grow and to protect everyone else. It has everything to do with creating a culture of leadership. Before going further, let's make the difference between three things very clear in the context of this approach to leadership education. Leadership, leading, and leaders. The most ambiguous term is leaders, as it is used both in contrast to those who lead and as a mark of an individual's position or rank, whether hierarchical or informal within a group. Leaders are asked to lead, yes. Too often, we refer to managers as leaders. Leadership can be totally separated from management. We should therefore be using the term leaders to designate those who lead, those who cultivate leadership within a group, those who understand the forces that come into play when creating a group's culture and conditions for it to thrive. Leadership is the forest in between the trees. It's an ensemble of forces that crafts a group's environment. It's the energy that exists between the individuals that are part of the group. And even if it's one of those buzzwords, this is what culture is. Culture, like leadership, is developed actively. It's not the result of what haphazardly happens between the team members. It's the careful work of those who lead. The role of leadership, or the role of someone who leads, is clarity, influence, and safety. Leaders lead. They create environments where leadership is a norm, not a responsibility. And the road to this is through clarity, influence, and safety. Leadership is about providing clarity. In the next chapter of this story, we'll explore the importance of vision, values, and principles within an organization. Leaders are not only responsible for crafting these, they are also propelled to continuously share them, refine them, repeat them, refer to them, embody them. 
too often, clarity is overlooked. Leaders have a profound influence on those who are part of their tribe, of their culture. In further chapters, we'll discuss topics such as branding, language, common practices, authenticity, emotional contagion, optimism, charisma. Leadership is about safety. It's the constant transmission of verbal and nonverbal cues that say everything is going to be okay. You are safe. Safe to connect. Safe to trust. Safe to grow. Safe to be. The next chapters will explore topics like trust, threats, vulnerability, sacrifice, courage, mindset. It is true that all leaders have followers. However, I don't like that term within this approach. Followers. Let's put it another way. Let's reimagine the concept. Leaders have two goals when it comes to followers. The first is to co-create a culture of leadership with them based on growth and trust. The second is within this culture of leadership to bring these followers to become leaders themselves through a shared sense of purpose. Great leadership manifests itself when leaders lead other leaders. Leadership is not about titles or ranks. It's about a personal choice. We should strive to build organizations where leadership is not a power or a responsibility, but instead a norm. There are a slew of various structures for hierarchy within organizations. Some are very traditional, resembling a pyramid. The president has three vice presidents who each oversee a few directors, who in turn are responsible for managers of different departments, and so on. We see this model frequently in business, politics, in the military, in education, many others. Other organizations are designed as flat, where there is little or no hierarchy. Truly flat organizations are rare. Instead, Flatter organizations will not abandon the executive positions, but they will forego middle management positions or roles. Every member of the organization is accountable to everybody else. The tech and video game company Valve is one of the most studied organizations that operates in a flat structure, following a management style called open allocation. This allows their employees to dictate what their projects are and in which teams they want to be. 37 Signals, the company that create collaboration tools such as Basecamp, also operate under a flatter hierarchy. Their team leaders are rotating, not permanent, depending on the projects. Even in engineering, 
flatter organizations can exist. The company W.L. Gore, who makes Gore-Tex outdoor apparel, operates with few employees having titles and with anyone being able to take a leadership position according to the projects being worked on and the situations being dealt with. The question therefore becomes, which hierarchical structure is conducive to leadership? A traditional structure or a flatter structure? The answer is both. The real answer is that it doesn't matter. While many organizations will refer to management teams or the executive branch as the leadership, hierarchy doesn't have to have anything to do with leadership in the true sense of the word. Leadership is culture, and any member of the organization can have an impact on that. It's usually not anyone's job to lead. It's not part of anyone's official duties, but it should be. A manager within an organization is called to lead and be a leader, but it can never be something that an individual is entitled to be. Leadership is not a luxury, not a power that can be accessed with rank and a title. It's an individual choice to craft the environment and the culture operating for the good of others. And within a cultural approach to leadership education, every member of the organization has access to make that choice. In his famous TED Talk, Why Good Leaders Make You Feel Safe, and in his book, Leaders Eat Last, author Simon Sinek gives a breakdown of this concept of leadership as an individual choice. He says, Leadership is a choice. It is not a rank. I know many people at the senior most levels of organizations who are absolutely not leaders. They are authorities, and we do what they say because they have authority over us, but we would not follow them. And I know many people who are at the bottoms of organizations, who have no authority, and they are absolutely leaders. And this is because they have chosen to look after the person to the left of them, and they have chosen to look after the person to the right of them. This is what a leader is. The goal of leadership training programs or workshops is not to place or prepare individuals in leadership roles. Developing leaders is the responsibility of all current leaders in your group every single day by establishing leadership not as a responsibility or a privilege, but as a norm for everyone. Instead of focusing on deserving individuals, and building their abilities to lead others, what's important is to create an environment where anyone feels safe to lead. Management leadership training programs are a bit of an oxymoron, 
a contradiction at least. However, they are named that way in business schools and large organizations all the time. Leadership skills are not management skills. Leadership isn't really about skills at all. And management is fine in itself. But leaders don't manage people. They manage change and growth. Leadership is much more of an approach, an attitude, a mindset. Yes, there are leadership concepts that must be learned. And yes, those concepts can be taught. If that were untrue, this story wouldn't be very useful, would it? Leadership training programs and workshops cannot be reserved for those with specific titles. There is a tendency in organizations of all kinds to focus on a trickle-down approach of transferring leadership skills by allowing high-ranking members to attend workshops and conferences and then hopefully sharing what they have learned down the hierarchy. Resources that are allocated towards leadership development should not be focused on sending a president or a director or a principal to a fancy conference or seminar in the hopes that the knowledge can be brought back and retransmitted inside the organization. I'm certain that this is sometimes possible, but it requires that not only those high-ranking leaders to be very effective at assimilating and communicating the leadership concepts and theories, but that every member along the hierarchical chain be as willing and capable to do so as well. And it requires that those leaders remain with the organization over time. A cultural approach is entirely different. It implies that leadership education is for every member of the organization, not only a select few. Everyone matters. Everyone has to matter, has to be involved. The resources invested for leadership development should not be allocated to develop individuals. They should be allocated to create a culture of leadership. Workshops and training programs are fine when it comes to building your professional skills, but they are too far removed from the daily workings of the organization to be able to foster leadership. Team building activities are fun and have their place, but they suffer the same fate of being too disconnected from the daily reality to have true lasting impact on leadership education. Don't call it a leadership camp or a leadership seminar if you're going to be doing team building activities. There is nothing inherently bad about them. But when's the last time you did a trust fall in the context of your work or project? Kim Scott, author of the book Radical Candor, says, While retreats and parties can be productive if people on your team really want them, it is best to remember that mostly you get to know the people you work with on the job every day as an integrated part of the work rhythm, not at the annual holiday party. Leadership operates in reality. Organizations that take a cultural approach to leadership education meshes it within the fabric of its everyday. It requires much more time and effort, and there is much more accountability placed on those who lead to integrate it 
to their irresponsibilities. But the result is illuminating. Instead of having empowered managers that dictate the pace and environment of the group, those who choose to lead, those who choose to belong to the culture of leadership, emerge as beacons of growth and of trust. In their excellent book, An Everyone Culture, authors Robert Keegan and Lisa Leahy describe deliberately developmental organizations, DDOs. They start by describing issues with traditional and modern methods used by organizations to develop the capacities of their members. They state that executive coaching, high potential programs, mentoring, corporate universities, offsites, retreats, leadership development programs may sound like widely varying approaches, but they actually share enough common and problematic features to be seen as a single 20th century answer to the way we might best develop human capacities. They outline certain of these problems. They give input too sporadically, not often or intensely enough. They're beyond and outside the normal flow of work. The knowledge is not always transferred. The programs are only provided to a select few designated members, usually those with high positions or identified in specific groups. The most significant issue they explain is that these programs center around the individual as the source of growth, and the organization itself does not necessarily change. Optimistically, they provide an alternative. They say, imagine so valuing the importance of developing people's capabilities that you design a culture that itself immersively sweeps every member of the organization into an ongoing developmental journey in the course of the working day. Imagine making the organization itself and not separate extra benefits, the incubator of capability. Imagine hardwiring development into your bottom line so that, along with asking whether your culture is fostering the other elements of business success, you ask, demand, that your culture as a whole, visibly and in the regular daily operations of the company, be a continuous force on behalf of people overcoming their limitations and blind spots and improving their mastery of increasingly challenging work. You're imagining an organization that, through its culture, is an incubator or accelerator of people's growth. In short, you're imagining a deliberately developmental organization. Therefore, a cultural approach brings leaders to create the conditions where leadership is a norm, where everyone is encouraged to lead, and it is safe to do so. Leaders create a culture of leadership, and in doing so, educate and create more leaders. Truly great teams and organizations enable the coexistence of a culture of growth and a culture of trust. In organizations where leadership becomes a norm and all members are encouraged to lead, 
there is a necessity for those leaders to create and sustain a culture of growth and provide safety for it with a culture of trust. The role of a leader is to provide safety and opportunities for growth to the others inside their group or organization. Position and hierarchical rank become very distinct in this regard. Every member, regardless of rank, has to identify the moments and times when his or her role is to be focused on being action-oriented and helping the organization grow, and when he must provide trust and safety for others. In further chapters, we'll discuss courage. This is what those who operate in a culture of trust provide to those in the culture of growth. When there is a sense of safety within the organization, a sense that, as Simon Sinek puts it, those who are in charge are more concerned with taking care of those in their charge, growth and innovation are always possible. Doing what is good and what is right and what allows the organization to grow is dictated by those who choose to lead. This is where the circular symbol for this chapter, a horizontal cut of a tree trunk, originates. Imagine a large circle with progressively smaller ones going towards its core, indicating the age of the tree. The smaller rings, closest to the center, represent the community where there is a culture of growth. Here, individuals are building something new, something more. They defy the status quo. They are doing the work, putting in the time and the effort. There is plenty of risk-taking. Mistakes abound. Failures are inevitable. And this culture of growth is made viable by the existence of a culture of trust, represented by the larger outer rings. This culture of trust provides the safety required for the community of growth to thrive. Individuals here encourage the mistakes and the risk-taking. They applaud the originality and the challenging of the status quo. They sacrifice their time, effort, and even ego, all for those in the community of growth to be best equipped to create change. There has to be an elasticity in a leader's role and position, whether it's at the center of the organization to create growth or on the edges of the organization to provide trust and safety. Hierarchy becomes circular with a never-changing constitution of individuals in the center providing truth instead of control and others on the outer edges providing trust and safety instead of compliance. It's entirely dynamic and this environment of leadership allows both these cultures to not only coexist, but to be symbiotic. This is the forest in between the trees.